Hello, hello, hello. This is the Y'all Show Thursday edition with your host, John Raw. Hope you're doing well. Hey, we're almost to the end of the work week, but we're not quite there yet. So hang on. We've got an exciting show planned for you today. I told you yesterday, if you tuned in, I was going to have a surprise coming your way on today's Y'all Show. And guess what? Later this hour, we're going to go to Texas and find Sarah Beth Swaggerty. She's a up-and-coming country music songstress, and she's going to be our special guest. She kind of spends her time in both the Lone Star State and the Volunteer State as she is cutting records in Nashville and really just missing out on that one great opportunity to reach great stardom. And guess what? I think today on the Y'all Show, it just might be Sarah Best's great opportunity. She's an alum of Baylor University in Waco, so she's already got that check marked. And now it's time for her to check off country music star. we got to help her. And I think you're going to enjoy learning more about Sarah Beth when she comes on later this hour of today's Y'all Show. We've got headlines before we get to Sarah Beth that we got to go through, including talking about this awful heat. It appears the heat calls the death of a youngster in mississippi earlier this week we've got more info on that in today's second hour we've got a listing of some great festivals for the fall yes i know it's fall i'm talking about here but we're almost to fall golly the old that old clock's a ticking and it'll be fall before you know it so to get you ready for some great festivals across the southland y'all.com has kind of laid it out where to go and we'll tell you that and much more in our festive south feature at the start of today's second hour and then hey it's thursdays and you know saturdays are for the boys right well, Thursdays are for the SEC, on the Y'all Show, that is. And we're going to hear from a couple of coaches as all the teams are practicing, getting ready. The SEC's on Florida Gators and getting ready for a game next Saturday. Yes, college football begins next Saturday night in Orlando, Gators and Hurricanes. But the other teams that are really gearing up for the week after that, Labor Day weekend, we will get you all the news and notes of SEC football in our sec report and then we're going to hear from some of the coaches we've got jimbo fisher of texas a&m that will get a little listen in of what he's got to say in Aggieland. we'll go to octibaha county joe moorhead is the coach of the mississippi state bulldogs and we'll hear what's going on with those dogs when he gives a little report in the second hour and then we'll switch over to the sec east and hear from your sec champion coach of the last couple of years kirby smart what's going on with uga and we'll go to rocky top jeremy pruitt is the coach of the tennessee volunteers and some news coming from the hill we'll let you know what's going on with big orange and jeremy pruitt when that comes your way again in today's second hour all that right here on y'all talk with a southern accent with john rawl our number 803-816-1170 that is the number to connect with us each and every day each and every hour of each and every day 803-816-1170 our website y'all.com on facebook we can be found at y'all.com and we have the streaming apps that you can find us as well the iheart radio app the tune in radio app and apple podcast all of those are free of charge just add it to your smartphone or to your ipad 
look for y'all show and voila there we are all you have to do is hit like or subscribe and it will magically come to your phone each and every day yeah i don't even have to think about it hey want to let you know on friday's y'all show we'll be wrapping it up we'll have our look at more college sports headlines and then we'll flash back to an interview we did earlier in the week on the ICYMI feature. But also, tomorrow marks the 42nd anniversary of the death of the king and rock and roll, Elvis Presley. And we're going to play an Elvis song and kind of let you know more about that tragic day in 1977 that the king of rock and roll passed away, Elvis Presley. That's on our Friday Free For Y'all tomorrow. You don't want to miss on that. And speaking of the death anniversary of Elvis, our Takapola storyteller is going to be in Memphis tonight. He'll be staying up late at the candlelight vigil for Elvis, and that kind of stretches into the early morning hours of Friday. And so Jerry Short is in Memphis at Graceland. He's heading there now, and he'll report to us on Monday when he comes on as our Takapola storyteller about this is not his first time going to the candlelight vigil, by the way. In fact, He's going to tell you that in 1977, when he found out that Elvis died, he got in his car and he went straight to Graceland. And he was there and kind of hung out for a few days, went to the funeral. And we'll just get all those stories from our Takapola storyteller when he comes on Monday. But again, for all you Elvis fans out there, I know Friday, August 16th is a kind of bittersweet day as you mark the passage of Elvis Presley. But we'll have a salute to the king come friday all right looking at headlines from across the south and unfortunately we now know that in winston county mississippi the coroner there scott gregory says that a 74 year old woman has died of a heart induced heart attack while mowing her lawn on monday and the coroner says that the heat index was about 106 degrees at the time and the woman's body temperature at about 105 degrees at the hospital where she was treated the coroner says the woman's family hasn't given permission for her name to be released but she had a medical history that included multiple health problems and heart surgery but this death in winston county this is Louisville, mississippi not all that far from starkville by the way this appears to be the first mid-south or deep south death that we've seen this week with this heat wave Uh, and it's being caused for this death in the magnolia state and hopefully mississippi and surrounding states have seen the worst of the heat for the for the foreseeable future at least hey giving you an update in el paso i don't know why the national pundits really aren't focusing in on the victims they keep talking about guns right gun rights or the lack thereof or other political happenings but we still have a lot of those injured in that horrible shooting in the hospital at university medical center of el paso and at del sol medical center that shooting left 22 people dead and 10 days to 11 days after that shooting we've got a lot of people in critical condition in fact three of the el paso shooting victims are still in critical condition and nine of the nearly two dozen surviving victims have been discharged so that's only what what 24 minus 9 is 15 you got 15 people still in the hospital as el paso continues to deal with this horrible tragedy that again happened earlier in the month and of course after that shooting the man in ohio went there and killed nine people there but you got a lot of people injured let's keep those victims who are still in the hospital some again in critical condition all we can do at this point is pray 
perhaps you can contribute to the Red Cross. You can contribute to El Paso Strong, for example, and help out those who remain in very serious condition in West Texas. Alabama versus everybody else, or should I say all y'all. That's not a motto for the Crimson Tide football team. That's kind of a legal thing because Alabama has kind of done something a little bit different as it's having an effort to exclude migrants in the forthcoming census. And a coalition of 15 states and several major cities is opposing a lawsuit by Alabama that would have the U.S. census count only U.S. citizens and other legal residents and totals that play a key role in congressional representation. And New York, California, other states, even the District of Columbia have all got on board and they've asked cities to intervene in Alabama's federal lawsuit against the U.S. Census Bureau. The states and cities wanted to defend the longstanding practice of counting all U.S. residents regardless of immigration status, and oppose Alabama's effort to have it declared illegal. Alabama's 2018 lawsuit continues a battle over immigration status and the U.S. Census after President Donald Trump abandoned an effort to include a citizenship question on 2020's census. And the Attorney General for the State of New York is Letitia James. And in a statement, she said that the coalition will fight to ensure all people are counted in the census, despite the Trump administration's previous racist and xenophobic attempts to tip the balance of power in the nation and Alabama's endeavor to continue down that path. You would think, though, I'm sorry, you would think that in such a crucial thing done only every 10 years, the U.S. census, that there would be some distinction between who is actually a U.S. citizen and who is not when they come knocking on your door. Because after all, that's the whole point of the census. It is to get a count so that they can then correctly appropriate the number of delegates in the U.S. House of Representatives. That's the main purpose of the census. And if you have half of uh, half of your population is not even a legal resident they're not even supposed to be there in fact next week they might pick up and move back across a border somewhere that's not fair that's not right and i completely agree with alabama or anybody else that wants to try to make the u.s census about counting who is an official u.s citizen <laughs> it just seems kind of common sense to me but hey Oftentimes in politics, common sense kind of it gets left out on the doorstep out where that census worker is going to be knocking on your door here pretty soon. And it's about that time. If you go back to 2010, the last time they came and knocking, man, those people were relentless. If you were not home, they would come find you. They would leave little messages. And I guess they did a good job because, again, this is kind of a big deal. Let's go to Nashville and an inmate in the city of Nashville in the state of Tennessee who's on death row has put in a last minute request for his death to be in the electric chair. An option his lawyer described is also unconstitutional, yet still less painful than the state of Tennessee's preference of a three drug lethal injection. And the State Department of Corrections on Wednesday confirmed that Stephen West, who's 56 years old, he made the request and said the Thursday execution is going to be carried out by electrocution. That's kind of surprising to me 
that today this man Stephen west is going to be electrocuted now he previously opted against selecting a preference which would have resulted in lethal injection but his attorney described both options as unconstitutional in his still active u.s supreme court challenge as he seeks a stay in the execution so something tells me this thing might get put off usually in tennessee they usually put an inmate to death 6 to 7 p.m nashville time and also here this in the last year or so the state of tennessee's already put two inmates to death so i don't think it's necessarily the supreme court going to jump in just to keep someone from dying but here in this case trying to keep them from being electrocuted you can see where you might see the supreme court kind of come back and try to stop this here at the last minute more to come from davidson county on this one if you go back to 2017 and the awful charlottesville rally there that happened and the woman there was killed most people when they think of charlottesville and that protest with the nazis and stuff there being the heather Heyer, only person dying there that day that's not the case you may not even realize that two virginia state troopers died in a helicopter helicopter crash that day they were pr- pretty much in the sky patrolling charlottesville and i don't know what happened but their chopper crashed on the same day of this white nationalist rally in charlottesville and now the widows of the two virginia state troopers are suing the state of virginia and others over their husband's deaths alleging the aircraft was not properly maintained are repaired amanda bates and karen cullen have now filed wrongful death lawsuits both are seeking around 50 million dollars in damages for the unrelenting grief and financial losses their families have sustained since the crash of that helicopter and their husbands jay cullen and burke bates were aboard the bell 407 single engine helicopter when it crashed august 12 2017 and they were up in the sky to provide video surveillance of public demonstrations in charlottesville at this unite the right rally but sure enough both of these state troopers killed in that unfortunate helicopter accident and that is a ongoing thing there then we wish the widows the best there it's a tough deal but suing now because of the deaths of their husbands two years past more law enforcement news this is a terrible story to relate to you coming from columbia south carolina richland county is the county that columbia is in and the sheriff of columbia and richland county is leon lett you might have seen the richland county sheriff's office routinely featured on the tv show live pd well the sheriff's office they recently did a sting on child sex and they ended up catching one of their own deputies last week in this child sex sting a dozen other people were also arrested but according to the sheriff leon let he announced the arrest of deputy Derek vandeham on tuesday and the law enforcement agencies had this operation relentless guardian going on and during that deputies pretended to be 13 to 15 year old girls and chatted with men online the men who solicited sex from the girls were arrested at an agreed-upon meeting site but get this vanaham he ends up being arrested for this wearing his uniform and driving his patrol car and of course he was immediately fired the sting also led to the arrest of a former transportation commissioner of south carolina a 72 year old john norton hardy 
all right there in the Palmetto State. Hey, we now know the rainiest cities in the entire U.S. of A. 247wallstreet.com has come out with this list, and several southern towns are in the mix for rainiest cities in the U.S. of A. Coming in at number 15 is Destin, Fort Walton Beach, and Crestview, Florida, with an average annual precipitation amount of just over 61 inches destin makes sense it's on the coast and not all that far from crestview destin is mobile alabama and they're just right at the 61 inch mark with an average annual precipitation hammond louisiana i'm starting to see a trend there most of these are on the gulf coast hammond louisiana 61.9 inches i guess we're going up in the number here as the most rainfall that you see in the country so Hammond, almost to 62 inches. Baton Rouge is at 62 inches, 62.0 inches. Average annual precipitation in the capital city of Louisiana. And then Pensacola. I don't know why Pensacola between Crestview and Baton Rouge is more than Baton Rouge. 62.1 inches of annual precipitation there in Escambia County, Florida. Again, we're kind of counting you down here through all the rainiest cities in the usa also in that same area you got daphne fairhope and foley alabama on the eastern shore they're at 62.4 inches then finally we get away from the south and a city in oregon comes in right after that and then the next city the eighth most rainiest city in the country is gulfport biloxi pascagoula the mississippi gulf coast 63.2 inches of average annual precipitation Another Oregon checks, another Oregon town checks in at seven. That's Salem. Portland, Oregon comes in at six. You know, you'd think Oregon would lead the way here and maybe they'll end up. I don't know the answer quite yet. Who's going to be atop the rainiest cities in the country right now? But hey, right now it's a battle between the Gulf Coast and Oregon. So is there anybody else wanting to step up to the challenge here? Another Oregon town, Albany, Oregon, is at number five. Washington State's Bellingham is at four. Seattle's three. It's supposed to be like the rainiest place in the country. Seattle's at three. Number two is Longview, Washington, and number one, Mount Vernon, Washington. By the way, Mount Vernon, Washington, average annual precipitation, 80.2 inches. That's a lot of rain. But again, we have several of our southern cities right there in the mix, but not quite at the top. If you want a lot of rain... The Pacific Northwest is calling your name. If you want a lot of rain and you want to stay in Dixie, then head to the Gulf Coast. Any place right there in that Republic of West Florida area is perfect for your appetite. We've got more headlines. Stick around. we got that. And don't forget, Sarah Beth Swaggerty is coming up in a little bit to talk about her up-and-coming country music career. Stay tuned. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. 
this is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 8282. That's promo code 8282 at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. This is Shaq for Icy Hot, and I got a few words about pain. See, pain thinks it can overpower you, overwhelm you, but it obviously doesn't know you. You're not backing down from pain, because Icy Hot's got your back. Icy to dull pain, and hot to relax it away. So you can get back to running, throwing, kicking, swimming, cycling, crossfit, you name it. Because pain does not get the final word. You do. Icy Hot. Rise from pain. Uses directed. Just a few years ago, Mozambique's Nyasa National Reserve in southern Africa was a danger zone for elephants. Organized gangs of poachers took them down by the thousands for their ivory tusks. Conservationists and governments got together to eliminate poaching. Today, Nyasa hasn't lost a single elephant in more than a year. With your support, we can keep places like Nyasa safe. Find out more at 96elephants.org. back here on y'all talking about the south and so much more about this region john rawl your host 803-816-1170 is our number to text or to call continuing our headlines across the southeast in the battle of george sink versus george sink jr these are two personal injury attorneys in charleston south carolina that cover the entire palmetto state and they're in a battle it's a battle of father and son as the son got fired by his father in his father's law office a couple months back and little george decided to go open up his own firm and guess what his daddy sued him said you can't use your name and your new business competing against me and now this personal injury lawyer going at each other with his personal injury lawyer's son and it looks like daddy for right now coming out on top as a federal judge says that george sink jr cannot use that name in any sort of marketing until an arbitrator considers the matter and again george sink senior fired his son back in february nearly a year after he began working for the george sink personal injury lawyer firm and now george sink jr has opened george sink the second law firm ugly situation i wonder what it's going to be like to be around the the Labor Day barbecue with those two if they get together for our family outing. Now, another South Carolina family that now lives in Georgia to tell you about, and as a South Carolinian, let me apologize for this family, okay? It's the Chrisleys, Todd and Julie Chrisley, the reality television stars. They pleaded not guilty Wednesday to tax evasion 
and other federal charges that their lawyers said stem from false allegations made by a former employee. Perhaps you've seen the Crisleys. They're on the show Crisley Knows Best. They live in the Atlanta area, and now they've entered pleas during their initial court appearance before a federal magistrate judge in Atlanta. The judge agreed to release them on $100,000 of unsecured bonds, which means they don't have to pay anything unless they fail to show up for court dates. The judge ordered them to surrender their passports and said they're not allowed to travel outside of parts of Georgia and Tennessee without letting their probation officers know where they'll be. Their lawyers had asked for travel permission so they can continue filming the show. So I guess there will be no Crisleys filming outside of Georgia and parts of Tennessee for a while. Sorry, I guess we were looking for the Crisleys go to Hawaii episode. But no, they're they're not there. In fact, I didn't realize this. Crisley knows best follows the tight-knit, boisterous family that now lives in Nashville. See, it shows what I know. I know they were in the Atlanta area. I didn't realize, are they living in Nashville? Evidently so. And again, a 12-count federal indictment filed earlier this week accuses the Chrisleys of tax evasion, conspiracy, bank fraud, and wire fraud. So they're in a heap of trouble. Todd Chrisley is 51. His wife, Julie, is 46. They also have a podcast called Chrisley Confessions. And indeed, the family moved to Tennessee a couple years ago. But the criminal charges stem from when they lived in Atlanta's northern suburbs, according to the U.S. Attorney Ming Pack. So more to come on the Chrisley soap opera. Maybe this will make for great television, all of their legal woes and tax evasion issues. Did you see the video of comedian and Charleston, South Carolina born actor, comedian Andy Dick getting just knocked silly in New Orleans this week? And now the 46 year old man who hit him, David Hell, has been booked into the New Orleans jail on charges of second degree battery and simple battery. And he is accused of punching comedian and musician Andy Dick in the French Quarter. And this happened over the weekend. The attack occurred following Dick's performance at One-Eyed Jack's on Toulouse Street in New Orleans. A surveillance video from the area captured the incident in which Hale allegedly punched Dick in the head, knocking him to the sidewalk. Dick was taken to a hospital where he received treatment for brain bleeding. And he's 53 years old, Andy Dick is, and says that he was knocked out 100% for about 15 minutes. Now, I've heard uh, kind of a play on words, but this is, it really is the truth. The guy who got arrested, David Hill, claims that Andy Dick kind of uh, grabbed him in a very inappropriate area. That uh, Well, you can fill in the blank here. That was the reason that he knocked him silly, according to his side of the story. More to come. And this developing story of Andy Dick getting knocked silly in New Orleans. Hey, I went to a big boy restaurant a couple months ago. They're in the Cincinnati area. They're in northern Kentucky. And good news, if you go to school at Eastern Kentucky University, if you're an EKU colonel, you're in Richmond, Kentucky, you got a Frisch's big boy there. And guess what? It's going to stay open, at least for the time being. A lot of reports coming out that Frisch's big boy in Richmond, Kentucky was going to close but it will not close as the store is going to keep on staying open for at least a while. The change of heart from the owners is good news for the local community. And love our Frisch's Big Boys if you're ever in Kentucky or in the Cincinnati area. Not only will you find a great meal there, but they got the cute little Big Boy statue out there. And that's always a fun thing. How about some animal news here? A baby raccoon with a brain injury that hinders her mobility is now walking again in the natural state with the help of a wheelchair, 
An organization called Walking Pets, which makes wheelchairs for animals, said this week that the source of the raccoon named Vittles, the injury for that is not known, but it did prevent her from balancing and supporting herself. And now in Little Rock in Arkansas, you got another raccoon that's going to be on the prowl, all because of the great effort of Walking Pets and getting this little baby raccoon in a little wheelchair looking thing pretty cute story and finally from the coast of north carolina we go and if you want to head to carolina beach sometime and you want to show your buttocks well you're allowed to do that because carolina beach leaders have amended the town's public nudity ordinance to remove the word buttocks the ordinance in carolina beach was brought into question when a resident contacted the town expressing concerns over lifeguard beach attire that exposed the buttocks and Carolina Beach's public nudity ordinance states that it is unlawful for any person to appear on any public beach, any public street, or any public park in a state of dress or undress so as to expose to the view of others the human male or female public area, public hair, anus, vulva, or buttocks with less than a fully opaque covering. <laughs> I think a lawyer probably wrote that. Now, before the vote to strike buttocks, the ordinance did not line up with North Carolina's current law, which verifies that it is legal to expose the buttocks on the beach as it does not result in the exposure of genitals or the anus. Great news if you want to head to Carolina Beach and get your son tan here in the closing days of August. You can get that buttocks out and get it uh, nice and nice and tan if you'd like there at carolina beach north carolina all right i gotta take a bath after reading that one Whew. all right we've got a great interview heading your way next it's sarah beth she's a up-and-coming country music singer we're going to play some of her music and you're going to get to hear this great texan being interviewed by yours truly it's our surprise of the week sarah beth the interview is up next is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 8282. That's promo code 8282 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Blue Star Medicated Ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. There's something about it, your kiss electrifies. It's kind of like magic, it's fantastic, the way the sparks fly. Something about the way I feel around you, boy, you make me tremble with your touch. Baby, your love. There's something about it, about it, about it. There's something about it, about it. 
something about it. That's a singer there that you may not have heard of, but it is your great opportunity to learn a whole lot more here on the Y'all Show. Welcome back. It is Talk with a Southern Accent, and we've got a good Texan that we're going to be talking to with a Southern Accent right now. The singer of Something About It, Sarah Beth, is joining us now on the Y'all Show. Hello, Sarah Beth. Hello. (laughs) Go ahead. Hello, y'all. Hello, y'all, or howdy. Yeah, or howdy. You know, in Texas, I think Texans think that they created the term y'all, which you might have, but I don't have any scientific proof that you did. But having 15 other states that we cover here on the Y'all Show outside of Texas, I will just tell you, you don't have a monopoly on that phrase, okay? All right, I'll I'll let you say it. All right. Well, we can all say it, y'all. Sarah Beth, we are so delighted that you could take some time out. You've been quite busy over the last seven, eight years churning out EPs, albums, singles, and more. And something about it is really one of your newest selections that we wanted to play for the listening audience here today on the Y'all Show. And you are a native Texan, and we'll talk about how you decided to take business away from the table for now and, and focus on the music business business and tell me a little bit how music even got into your life growing up in the metroplex of dallas it's really crazy because um i mean business or business music was always a thing in my life um it was always a big part of my life and um i feel like any journey you know everyone pretty much in the music business has grown up singing uh i went to baylor and i was not a music major i was actually an entrepreneurship major And my whole life, I was a really shy kid. Um, It wasn't until I got into high school that I kind of came out of my shell. And it's easy, especially when you're shy. But, I mean, you don't have to be shy. You can be the most outgoing person in the world. But everyone has their own self-doubt. And so for me, um, you know, I grew up doing all the things that so many kids do that end up in the music industry. I sang in church. I sang at school. I sang at the Garland Opry. I did all of the things. But it's very hard to take that next step and that next leap of faith, which is to really move to Nashville or to even go and into a recording studio and record your own music. Um, and so for me, it was um, through a long, crazy line of things that happened after I graduated from Baylor, um, which included going and teaching in the Dominican Republic. And it was one of those things where music just kept being put into my path. And that has led me now all these years later um, to do music as my full-time career in life well good choice there now i want to go back to your childhood if this won't bring back too many painful memories for you oh no <laughs> why were you shy did you have siblings were you kind of stuck in the middle of other siblings or what happened well i don't i don't know um i was one of two kids i'm the oldest okay and my brother um as a kid, it's funny because, I mean, he's he's definitely outgoing now, but he's a little bit more of the reserved one, I feel like, out of the two of us as adults. Um, but as a kid, my brother was really good at all sports. Um, he was just, like, crazy outgoing. You know, like, all of my friends were his girlfriends. And um, for me, I don't, I honestly don't know why I was so shy. Um, I was a really, like, big-hearted, kind-hearted person. And... I didn't have very tough skin. And so I think that that's probably one of the things too, you know, how in elementary school and middle school, people can, that's like your awkward time. Anyways, you get Uh to about like fifth or sixth grade and you're super awkward. And, um, I feel like some kids deal with that better than others. And honestly, I feel like I was just one of those kids that didn't deal as well. Um, but I found it really hard 
growing up to um, make conversation and to start conversation. And I think that was, I don't know why, because now I have no problem doing it. But I started waiting tables when I was 15. And that is truly where I started to come out of my shell because your money depends on you talking to strangers and you have to give the stranger the great time and the better time they have at the restaurant, the better your tip is. And so I don't want to say I was motivated by money, but I guess I kind of was. We're talking with Sarah Beth here on Y'all. She's a singer, but we're also serving double duty here today. We're having some therapy time for Sarah Beth to come out of her shell even more. <laughs> Appreciate you doing that. Hey, let's talk about waiting tables. That's that's a route that a lot of singers have done throughout their time, as well as actors and actresses. A lot of them have been waitresses and waiters. I did it once, a very brief time that I did it, and decided it wasn't for me, but as you just said, you have to kind of become a people person, whether you want to or not, when you're doing that. You do. <laughs> you do. And I think that there, you definitely meet those. Um, we all have those experiences where you meet those people that you're like, I don't think you're in the right industry because you're not a people person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I waited tables from the time I was 15. Um, where, where did you whenever, start out, Sarah Beth? What, what restaurant? Um, it's a restaurant called Hubbard's. It's in Garland, okay. and it's a, just a, a family-owned place. Um, a lady named Debbie owns it, and she's got one in Garland, one in Rowlett, just down the road from each other. And, yeah, I still go in there every time that I'm visiting my family. Uh, did, did you ever have any disasters in your time there in Garland, waiting tables? Um, well... Let's see. There's some very, there's some very specific moments that stick out in my head. Um, the one that wouldn't embarrass anybody else is I was carrying a warmed up, like little bowl of barbecue sauce Mm -hmm. and I got to the table and I spilt it all over this guy's jeans. <laughs> and um, that was absolutely terrifying. And the weirdest thing was, it wasn't like anyone hit me or it was like, it was like I was like going to put it on the table. And to this day, I cannot tell you how it ended up on his jeans, but it did. And um, that's probably the most mortifying thing that ever happened to me. Um, well, that's pretty bad then, one. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good, good that you might uh, not. I mean, I don't know about me. I know I can confess that I'm a little bit clumsy. So hopefully you're not clumsy. It was just a, a bad break there for you. But luckily you fell right into the music career. But you did that after doing what you should. You're supposed to. You're supposed to go off to college if you if you're able to, and that's what you did. And you went to a darn good college. You went to Willie Nelson University, also known as Baylor <laughs> University. And had, a, I assume, a good time in Waco and part of the Baylor line. What led you to Baylor? My whole family went there. And, you know, this is like kind of backtracking, but I didn't actually know that Willie Nelson went to Baylor until this year. And I'm like, how did I not know this information? <laughs> you know, I'm um, sorry, Sarah Beth. You're probably not the most famous singer to come out of Baylor. At least not okay. right now. It's okay. Well, I guess did he not graduate? Maybe that's why they don't like count on about it because he didn't actually graduate. Maybe he did. I should double check that fact. But whenever I looked it up, I think that it was like he went for like two years and then went on to do music. And so I think they don't like encourage like 
they probably do now, but at the time, you know, at orientation, they really want you to get through this four years. <laughs> I think Willie was part of their horticulture culture, horticulture program there at, at, at Baylor. Yes, well, I guess, and especially at being a Baptist school, I don't know that Willie Nelson, you know, did all the, the things that Baylor really, you know, supports. So, And I'm um, kidding. I don't think they had a horticulture program, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he had a good time, um, no doubt, and took his talent on to Nashville. So you got a business degree at Baylor. That that is very noble that you chose that route in entrepreneurship. Tell me what kind of if you if you weren't in music, what what do you have your eyes set on if if the music thing doesn't work out? And I know it will, but just in case, what what, what could we find you doing one day? Oh gosh, um, well honestly, one hundred percent. The reason I got an entrepreneurship degree was because I had no idea what I wanted to do, and. It's like they tell you to pick a degree. You have to pick it. I went in as a sophomore um, because of the hours that I placed out of in high school. And um, all of a sudden, it's like I took one semester and they're like, all right, pick your major. And you're like, I'm not ready for that, actually. Um, I don't have anything business, though. Um, I would probably still be doing something in the music business, but just um, not the singing side of it. I would be doing the behind the scenes, maybe management or booking or um, a business manager because that's very much my role um, within my, you know, I sing, but I also handle all of the, the business stuff for the most part too. And so I enjoy that side of it. Um, and that's, you know, that's how you actually are able to pay your bills. So I feel like I'd still be in music, just, you know, not in front of the crowd. I'd be behind the scenes. And at your time at Baylor, you said you went to the Dominican Republic. Was that something business related? The reason you went down there? It is. So my senior year, um, there is, there is, in the Baylor Business School, there's a class called the BEST program. Um, and there's about 25 to 30 kids in that. Um, well, I guess we were young adults, but um, you get nominated for it, and then you have to go through an interview process. And it's basically like an honors program. And so I was selected for that program. And the year that, that my senior year, every year they took a trip. And most times they went to Europe, but unfortunately for which I actually fortunately, because it all worked out the way it was supposed to, but usually they went to Europe, but it was during the recession, uh, my senior year. And so the funds weren't as great. And so they decided that we were going to go to the Dominican Republic because the cost of the trip was going to be cheaper. And there I actually fell in love um, with this program. I was introduced to this program called the Dream Project. And we did go down there. Um, we were helping businesses in the Dominican Republic with business plans to build sustainable businesses within the communities. Um, but one of the things that we did stop by was the Dream Project, which is based in Ithaca, New York. And they are a Montessori-type school within the Dominican Republic that builds schools within extreme poverty areas. And um, they are, you know, like I said, like a Montessori school. So they pull kids out of some of those local schools and um, give them some extra attention and love and um, just to help build up those communities. Well, so, yeah, I did that. And then I ended up, as I fell in love with that um, organization, at the end of the year, a friend of mine and I, we went back and we volunteered for three months in the Dominican Republic. And I was a music teacher. <laughs> well, how about that? Well, not long after getting your degree at Baylor, you decided to head to Nashville. And I guess at Nashville, you discovered a chance to record music and such. What was it that you made you kind of pull the trigger and say, okay, I'm going to give this music thing a real shot. 
It was honestly how much I loved it. Um, I came to Nashville and I, um, it was right after the Dominican Republic that I made the decision that I wanted to come and just record a few songs. And honestly, I thought that I was going to record a few songs and I was going to check it off my bucket list and that that would be it. Um, that I would, you know, it'd be fun. I'd pull it out when people came over and be like, oh, listen to the songs that I recorded in Nashville. But three to- three songs turned to six songs, which turned to 12 songs, which led to my first full-length album. And it's like once I got in that studio, I knew I had so much to learn. And it truly has been, you know, every day I learned something new. Um, but it was just something that I loved so much that I couldn't go back and not chase the dream. It was like once it was in my hand, I just knew that I had to go for it. Well, you went for it, and you've recorded a couple of albums by now and some EPs as well. And let's see, your first project, I think, was coming out uh, 2013, Anything is Possible. Is that your first one? That was. Well, I had an EP that came out shortly before that, but those songs that were on the EP were on the album. Okay. Um, So it was basically like we knew that we wanted to put a single out to radio. We wanted to put out the first single. Um, and you know, with that, obviously you need something out there in the world. So we put it out as an EP. Um, and then whenever the rest of the songs were finished, which is only a few months later, we put out the full length album. We're talking with singer Sarah Beth today. You can check out Sarah Beth at sarahbethmusic.com with info on the tour that she's got, photos, videos, and, of course, links to get her music. You can go into iTunes and listen to that. And, Sarah Beth, i got to give you props. You've got some darn good album and song titles through the years. One of them is I'm Sick of It. Love that one. <laughs> cowboy for Christmas. Did you get a Cowboy for Christmas once? Um, No, but we liked the alliteration of it when we were writing it in the room. And so... Um, that song, crazy enough, but Cowboys for Christmas, I wrote, um, most of my co-writes, like I obviously contribute to, but that song, I wrote more of a, more of it than anybody else in the room, which was the first time that that had ever happened for me. Um, you know, you, you kind of click with different people in different ways. And I just remember like, um, I, I co-write with Glenn Mitchell, um, quite a bit, both those songs that you mentioned, I wrote with him and, um, he a lot of times will kind of get silent and like write a whole verse all of a sudden. And then we, tw- we go in and tweak it. And it was one of those dates for me where like they said a couple of things and I had like, before they'd even gotten to the through with the first verse, I'd already written the second one and was onto the chorus, which was like a, for me as a songwriter was a true victory because it's the first time that had really happened in Nashville. That's awesome. Another creative title that you've had out there is Girl Scout Cookie Monster. Now, what in the world? Were you and Willie Nelson hanging out when y'all wrote that one? No, no, no. Okay, so this is the craziest. You know, you never know what song is going to change your life, and this is truly one of those experiences. So I um, I was at a radio station in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and they said that they had this new program, and it was called Write a Song Wednesday. And right along Wednesday was basically they had a wheel and they would spin the wheel. And then whatever it, whatever topic it landed on, you had one hour to write a song and come back and record it live on the air. And it was Girl Scout cookie season. So mine landed on Girl Scout cookies and we had one hour to write the song. So it was never intended to be recorded and released at all, but we, um, we did it on Facebook live and it's right when Facebook live had first come out. And so we, we went in, we say we did the Facebook live and it's about an hour from Bowling Green to Nashville. So from the time that we left 
the station, drove back to Nashville. It had something like, I think it was like 25,000 views. And people were like, oh my gosh, when can I download this song? It's so good. I love it. And we realized like, oh my goodness, we should probably record this thing. And we happened to have um, a date in the studio that was coming up within the next couple of weeks. And so we actually called the Girl Scouts in Middle Tennessee. We got some Girl Scouts to come in. Uh, we wrote a second verse to the song because it didn't have one. We didn't have enough time in an hour to write a second verse. And we went into the studio and we recorded the song. That's how it happened that fast and that crazily. Man, what a fun thing. Of course, anything is possible when it comes to music and creativity and Sarah Beth that was a great example there. Now, Sarah, Beth, tell us where we can find you in the Southeast. Are you touring here? I see that you've been all over the world with your talent. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, so the next tour date is coming to – I'm actually coming. We're, we've got a hometown tour. And so we are coming back to Texas in October. So we will be in my hometown, which is Garland, Texas. Um, and then other than that, we, we are up in Wisconsin, which is not the South. Uh, we're in Vicky's hometown of um, Benton, Kentucky, playing where she grew up playing. Um, and then we go back to the U.K., and we're there for nearly a month. So it's kind of – we're kind of all over the map. Well, you're using that entrepreneur skier, the skills there that you learned at Baylor University. At her website, again, you can find more of the tour information and get linked on her fan club. You've got merchandise as well. It's sarahbethmusic.com, the website. And what's up next for you from an album standpoint, Sarah Beth? Well, we, so I've actually joined forces with my band and formed a band. Um, so I'm still the lead singer and it's still the same folks that are playing with me, but we just realized that when one of us was missing from any of the shows or from the recordings, that something was truly missing. And so it's funny because it's the same. It was very, people were like, how is it a transition to go into a band? I'm like, it's very, it's very much the same. Um, but we are working with Paul Worley, who produced the Dixie Chicks, Lady Antebellum, the band Perry, Martina McBride. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but we're working with him. We had recorded four songs total, and we're actually about to go back into the studio and record some more songs so that we can get some more music out to the world. And I do believe the name of that band is Royal South. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> and the Twitter account is We Are Royal South, and I've seen the merchandise that you've got for that. That looks pretty darn sharp. And anything Southern, Thanks. anything Southern, you know, we're kind of fond of here on the Y'all Show, Sarah Beth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we love you, and, and glad that you could take some time to take your talent here on the road and be on the Y'all Show today. And again, follow her at sarahbathmusic.com. And you've got links on your website to your YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And we're delighted that you could take the time to join us today. Everybody, Sarah Beth, a Baylor Bear. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. All right. Well, that will wrap up, y'all. We will come right back in the next hour with more of the fun. You don't want to miss it. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
goodness gracious, we're back here for another exciting hour of the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. I am the general of all things Southern, General John Rawl here. Glad to have you riding along with us as we get through this Thursday together. And coming up in just a few minutes, we'll turn the page the gridiron. It's our SEC report on today's Y'all Show. we got a bunch of injuries that are popping up in the Southeastern Conference, and it's going to affect a bunch of teams here getting ready for their season opener in a few days. And we'll hear from a couple of coaches probably talking about injuries and more. We've got the audio coming up in a little bit from head coach Jimbo Fisher of the Texas A&M Aggies. Also, Joe Moorhead, he's doing a great job in year two at Mississippi State. And we'll hear from the Bulldogs head man in our SEC report. We'll go to Athens and Georgia Bulldog head football coach Kirby Smart is going to talk about his dogs getting ready for their season opener at Vanderbilt. And then Jeremy Pruitt, head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, is going to drop by and we'll get his thoughts about practice, how things are going, and he gets ready for his second year leading the Big Orange. All that coming up in our SEC report on today's You All Show Talk with a Southern Accent, our website, y'all.com. Hey, speaking of y'all.com, log on there right now as we have what we call Festive South here, as we have this Thursday Y'all Show up and going. Hey, on Festive South, we give you some great ideas to go on a little sneak sneak uh, sneak peek a little getaway a little chance to get your your sidekick and go off somewhere or go by yourself if you really want to a, a chance for you to escape sort of a chance for you to get on out in the south and see things that you haven't seen before perhaps that's what we do on festive south a lot of times we go through festivals i've got some really cool stuff i'm gonna tell you about in a second but hey if you want to go to florida if you want to go to the Sunshine State, thanks to y'all.com, we have a great article that you need to go check out. It's called The 10 Best Hotels in Florida. And I am looking forward to seeing where the Motel 6 comes in here on this ranking of the best hotels in the state of Florida. I'm looking forward to seeing at what number the Motel 6 checked in here in this ranking of best hotels in the sunshine state now this comes courtesy of guest blogger rebecca siggers as she helped write this and of course florida is no mystery to vacationers with all the beaches going all the way around the peninsula of florida you got so many great options and then you got great amusement parks you got water parks you got nightlife you got a lot of outdoors things to see in the state of florida so it is truly blessed when it comes to tourism and because of that you want to know where the right hotel is for you and your honey? Well, guess what? We're going to let you know, at least according to Rebecca, the 10 best hotels in Florida. Coming in at number 10, it's the Fena Hotel Miami Beach. And this is a great property. Again, in Miami Beach. So you would expect it to be fancy and nice. But I'm looking at a photo of this thing. It's got palm trees all over it. It looks like it's got some kind of sculpture of an elephant in a glass encasement there or some kind of weird looking thing, but kind of a cool thing, too. Yeah, it is pretty cool there and right on the Atlantic Ocean there at Miami Beach and a really neat option. If you want to go to South Florida, sometimes the Fena Hotel, Miami Beach, one of your best hotel options. Now, you also have in the same area the St. Regis Ball Harbor Resort. A five-star luxury result in Ball Harbor. 
with ha- it has 227 rooms there and it has great pleasantries you also have celeb culinary expert jean georges von richten in charge of the much admired j and g grill and you have a spa there called the remedy spa and it's a retreat for the most distinguishing vacationer the saint regis ball harbor resort hotel miami florida us of a all right fisher island club this is another one in the miami beach area hotels it's on south beach fisher island club an island club inhabited by members only and it's found merely outside the southwest corner of south beach which can be communicated by ferry boats and it's got a great great scene there right on the atlantic you've got a bunch of really cool mediterranean revival estates there in a reserve beach a spa a lush green golf course and a bunch of different cafes all found at the fisher island club again this one's a members only thing so you, you might want to get your reservation in in advance okay let's head a little bit north of miami for one of the great properties in this article the chesterfield palm beach and this is again a really cool option this is kind of a throwback as palm beach is a throwback palm beach is where 120 30 40 years ago the rich and elite from the north would come down to palm beach and even in modern times the rich and elite of our country from the northeast find their way to palm beach uh-huh mar-a-lago president donald trump but yeah you have the palm beach magic going on there and every single guest room flaunts a distinctive arrangement and color pattern here at the chesterfield and palm beach and it is a really cool throwback looking thing you also have the leopard lounge and they have evening tea in the library and it is really cool if you want something a little bit old florida but sort of upscale at the same time the chesterfield palm beach is calling your name now back to miami in the mandarin oriental a much acclaimed five-star rated resort it's got a spa there and it's got a line peruvian bistro which gives you splendid splendid viewing angles on biscayne bay it's got a bar and open air dining area and it is really a, kind of one of your miami vice looking things if you saw that series in the whole days this looks like something right out of that as part of the 10 best hotels in florida for you to consider i still haven't found my motel six listed here yet the delano south beach in florida the delano situated on south beach it goes back to the 1990s and this was an area for recreation to the likes of madonna prince jennifer lopez and p diddy and the whole idea was a brainchild of ian schrager and this place is cutting edge it's really the cutting edge of what you would call a boutique hotel and it's a vacationer's paradise according to the writer the delano south beach one of your best places in florida to go crash for the evening now let's go to key west i love this one the ocean key resort and spa and this is at the foot of duval street and it looks over key west harbor the ocean key resort and spa it has luxury resort it's also the home to a waterfront swimming pool yachting marina a high-end cafe and the light sunset pier bar adjoining mallory square so while in Key West, the Ocean Key Resort and Spa, a pretty cool option. And I'll raise my hand. I have not been to Key West, Florida. I would like to go there. I think every American should go to Key West, our southernmost point in the good U.S. of A. But it, uh, it takes a little bit of an effort to get there, as you well know. And so I'm looking forward to, to going there. Oddly enough, I don't know about you, but I've seen several friends who've made their way to key west here in the last couple of weeks i don't know what was going on i know they just had the Ernest Hemingway lookalike contest not long ago 
and I don't think any of my buddies would have been eligible for that. They don't even have they don't even have hair, frankly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that that this on the bucket list to get to Key West very very soon. All right, the Kempton Vero Beach Hotel and Spa checks in at number three on this list of the best hotels in Florida, according to Rebecca Siggers. And this property. It's like a heaven-like setting, according to the writer, and it has the sugary sand shore and cobalt waters of the Atlantic, and it makes for a wonderful stay there at the Kempton Vero Beach Resort. You have spa facilities, uh, wonderful guest rooms, and a great staff there, and vacationers come back more and more to this, according to Rebecca Sigger. So that again, the Kempton Vero Beach, Vero Beach, Florida, the hotel and spa there. Now, we're getting close to the end here, and this is the Moorings Village. The Moorings Village is a quiet hideaway spreading over 18 richly finished ocean-facing sections of land and made out of flawlessly designed cabins and gives you the feel of a secretive heaven. So this one sounds like where you want to go if you want to escape everybody. It's at Hotel Alamadora, Florida, the Moorings Village. The property has a private seashore, a 25-meter swimming pool, tennis courts, and fine arts gallery. You know, I don't think that Motel 6 that I stayed in in Florida had a a fine arts gallery. Also, the Moorings Village is dotted by palm trees and sunbeds, and it aids guests in their decision to go there and have a great vacation at the beach. The Moorings Village Hotel Alamodora, Florida, that's number two. And now we get to numero uno, the number one spot in florida for your best hotel and it's not in miami and it's not in palm beach so where would it be well we'd be smack dab in the middle of those two places fort lauderdale and you specifically have conrad fort lauderdale and it is an ocean facing resort right on the shoreline it's got a great great nautical scheme going on there and an uh, ocean facing swimming pool that's raised so you can Get in the pool and then look right out at the ocean without any distractions. It's got great food and you can have a spa there. It's got the soft and smooth spa option for you. Now, ladies, y'all love your spas. I'm not trying to sound sexist here. I'm sure guys like them, but ladies love a good massage. And ladies, you might want to circle this one. Conrad Fort Lauderdale. So you have that option there. And you can go to Florida and stay at any of these 10, most of which I said were all there. They were all in the southern portion of the state. Nothing in the north, nothing in the panhandle, all South Florida, even Key West we mentioned. But check it out. Again, we appreciate y'all.com and blogger Rebecca Siggers for this great discussion of the 10 best hotels in the Sunshine State. All right. If you don't get to Florida and stay at one of those 10 properties soon, well, before you know it, fall will be here, y'all. And y'all.com has the great fall festivals across the South up on the pages of y'all.com. And you can plan your trip right now to some of these great places and, and check them out. So if you want to go, let's say, here at the end of August to a place, or maybe you want a little bit more time to plan things out, then we have these things broken down all over the Southeast to kind of get to you. So here you go. Are you ready? Heck yeah. First, in the late part, uh, just a couple of weeks away, in Duluth, Georgia, northeast of Atlanta, it's the 37th annual Duluth Fall Festival. And this festival begins on a Saturday morning with a huge parade in the streets of Duluth, and you have about 3,000 people participating in this thing. And then 
entertainment takes over the stage for the rest of the day and you have on sunday a 5k road race through downtown duluth which is a lovely area right there in gwinnett county not far from hall county and then you have a service at the duluth first united methodist church on the town green and just a great start of the fall even though it technically isn't the fall on august 28th and august 29th in duluth but this is the 37th not this is no brand new thing i've been doing it 37 years the duluth fall festival now moving over into the month of september in monticello virginia home of thomas jefferson you have the heritage harvest festival going on there it's the 13th annual festival hosted by the thomas jefferson foundation in partnership with southern exposure seed exchange and seed savers exchange and it celebrates thomas jefferson's legacy and the contributions to american cuisine by enslaved workers in a family-friendly, exciting, affordable, and fun-filled atmosphere, and it will promote gardening, sustainability, local food, and the preservation of heritage plants, all right there at Monticello, not not far outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. It's the Heritage Harvest Festival on September 21st. Sounds like a great thing, and again, as a guy who's been to Monticello, and I'm sure a lot of you have, at least when I went there in the days before debit cards being everywhere, when you got your change back they gave it back to you in two dollar bills so that was always always a neat thing to go to monticello for that particular reason in grapevine texas coming up september 12th through the 15th it's the 33rd annual grape fest and what an awesome event there in grapevine just outside of dallas grape fest in grapevine texas like they know they know a little bit about what goes on there and then you also have the 33rd annual wine festival going on at the same time in that area of grapevine texas and that again the largest wine festival in the southwest and happens in grapevine as texas is the fifth largest wine producing state in the country did y'all know that all part of grape fest coming to grapevine for all of our listeners in metroplex in texas and beyond grape fest grapevine texas september 12th through the 15th and you got that wine festival to boot all right we got another september event that i wanted to share with y'all before we move over to some of the stuff going on in october also in the month of september in london kentucky it's the 30th annual world chicken festival as colonel harlan sanders founder of kentucky fried chicken is one of the most highly recognized figures in the world at laurel county kentucky located in the heart of the beautiful daniel boone national forest is proud to be the home of the colonel's first and original restaurant which he established back in the 1940s also lee cummings co-founder of lee's famous recipe chicken also began his career in 1952 with his uncle colonel sanders in laurel county kentucky and so the annual world chicken festival is a tribute to this great chicken heritage in london kentucky about 45 minutes southeast of lexington between lexington and knoxville tennessee is where you'll find london and the 30th annual world chicken festival now let's mosey on into october and nothing spells oktoberfest or resembles oktoberfest in germany than cleveland mississippi <laughs> it's cleveland oktoberfest it's going to be october 11th and 12th and this has been going on since 1982 considered one of the delta's best outdoor festivals you got barbecue music and more you might even see some people wearing later hosen in cleveland mississippi home of delta state university it's oktoberfest on october 11th and 12th make plans to get to bolivar county and check that out that should be a lot of fun 
in October when that comes around. Hey, Coconut Grove, Florida. It is the Coconut Grove Pumpkin Patch Festival. That's October 26th and 27th. Coconut Grove, Florida, not one of the towns I just mentioned a while ago with the 10 best hotels in the state of Florida, but I bet you you can find you a lovely accommodation and attend the Coconut Grove Pumpkin Patch Festival at the end of the month of October. And then you go to Greenville, South Carolina, in the upstate, the fabulous upstate of South Carolina, October 11th through 13th, fall for Greenville. Head to the upstate of South Carolina, and you'll go right there to Greenville's Main Street, over 40 restaurants participating, and they've got over 200 menu items and free entertainment on seven stages. And you can come see one of the Southeast's most popular outdoor festivals right there in the middle of October. It's fall for Greenville in Greenville, SC. And I just got a little heads up that I might be at fall for Greenville as I will be in the area at least according to my tentative itinerary for mid-October. So, hey, I might have to report back to y'all later on what happened at Fall for Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. And our last place we want to tell you about is Franklin, Tennessee. At the end of October, it's the 36th annual Pumpkin Fest in Franklin, where you have thousands of people flocking to historic downtown Franklin for costume contests, arts and crafts, and a whole lot more. Truly one of the South's great towns, Franklin, Tennessee, Williamson County. And it's the 36th annual Pumpkin Fest taking place October 26th. Get there and tell them the Y'all Show sent you. And again, these are just some of the great fall festivals across the Southeast that you can go to y'all.com. And I highlighted some. There's more on there that we didn't get to today, including Timberfest in Sheridan, Arkansas. That's coming up here in the fall. Also wanted to let you know about Whiteville, North Carolina's North Carolina Pecan Festival. That's at the end of October. And so mixing up a little pecans with your pumpkins. That's a great combination right there in Whiteville, North Carolina. Again, check it out. Y'all.com has all the juicy details. And fall will be here before you know it. Y'all fall, y'all. When we come back on y'all, we're going to switch over to talking about the Southeastern Conference. It'll be here before you know it. That is football season. Next Saturday, your opener for the entire 2019 season. And we're going to hear some coaches from the SEC talk about their openers coming up Labor Day weekend. We'll hear from the head coaches of Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Georgia, and those Tennessee Vols, plus all the other developments off the field, some injuries to report, all that coming up next in our SEC report. You don't want to miss out on the fun. Stay tuned. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirabet on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 8282. That's promo code 8282 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. This is Shaq for Icy Hot, and I got a few words about pain. See, pain thinks it can overpower you, overwhelm you, but it obviously doesn't know you. 
You're not backing down from pain because Icy Hot's got your back. Icy the dull pain and hot to relax it away. So you can get back to running, throwing, kicking, swimming, cycling, CrossFit, you name it. Because pain does not get the final word. You do. Icy Hot. Rise from pain. Use as directed. Just a few years ago, Mozambique's Nyasa National Reserve in southern Africa was a danger zone for elephants. Organized gangs of poachers took them down by the thousands for their ivory tusks. Conservationists and governments got together to eliminate poaching. Today, Nyasa hasn't lost a single elephant in more than a year. With your support, we can keep places like Nyasa safe. Find out more at 96elephants.org. If you're a lover of those garnet and black gamecocks, or you just love any of our Southeastern Conference institutions, or you just like college football, then you have tuned in the right time. It is the SEC Report on today's Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Rawl. And we've got a lot of injuries to report from across the SEC as we start our headlines. And then we're going to hear from some coaches of SEC institutions in just a second. But speaking of the gamecocks, tidy in. Evan Henson is going to be out for six to eight weeks after tests have shown that he has an irregular heartbeat. The tight end had to undergo what's called an ablation surgery to correct the issue, and Henson complained of difficulty breathing. That's when they discovered that this irregular heartbeat was going on. Coach Will Muschamp said that Henson is going to be fine, and that he said that they're glad they caught him in the echocardiogram that what was going on, and it's an unfortunate situation. Henson had been a two-sport athlete at the University of South Carolina, but left the basketball program after last season to focus on football. He's got two years of eligibility remaining for the Fighting Gamecocks and was entering this season with just one career reception. So not necessarily a big playmaker for the Gamecocks, but I hate to hear him having any kind of injury or any of our players, but golly, to have an irregular heartbeat discovered, kind of a scary thing for Evan Henson. We wish him all the best and the Gamecock program. Well, the Gamecocks' biggest rival is the Clemson Tigers, and Kelly Bryant used to be the quarterback at Clemson, but he transferred to another SEC institution, and it's the Gamecocks' SEC East namesake school, sort of, as both share the city of Columbia as their home. But in Columbia, Missouri, Kelly Bryant is now the skipper of the Mizzou football team. And you might have heard me recently say that Dabo Sweeney decided not to give the former Clemson quarterback and now transfer to Missouri a ring for winning the 2018 National Championship. And Coach Dabo Sweeney said that he wasn't on the team. You got to be on the team to get the ring. And, you know, Kelly was on the team early on. Then he decided to move. But he's actually okay with it, as he told reporters a ring is a ring. I'm in Missouri, and I don't play any mind to that. Everybody else can make a story about it, which is not really a story. So, doesn't seem too offended by that. He does have some hardware from his time at Clemson, so I don't think he's crying too hard. And, hey, Kelly Bryant's going to try to do something nobody thought would be possible, and that's bring a ring, maybe even a national championship ring, 
to the Missouri Tigers. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> it's possible. Hey, if you know anything about college football, anything's possible. And we wish him all the best. I know he had a little little bit of a hiccup injury-wise the other day. I think Kelly Bryant's going to be just fine as Mizzou gets ready to get the season going at the Wyoming Cowboys here on Labor Day weekend. More injury news to tell you. Alabama five-star freshman running back Trey Sanders is expected to miss the entire season with a foot injury. And this is a big loss for Nick Saban's program. This is a five-star freshman running back who had this big injury in practice and it's expected, again, to miss the whole injury, according to reports out of Tuscaloosa. He had been pushing for playing time in the backfield that will be led by Najee Harris after the departures of Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris. Coach Saban praised Sanders' start to fall camp one day before the injury reportedly occurred. And we wish him all the best, again, with this tough player. He's the number six overall player from the class of 2019. And he's one of three five-star prospects that signed on the dotted line with the Alabama Crimson Tide after his time at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. He's originally from Port St. Joe, Florida, right beside Panama City, Florida. Six foot, 200 pounder. Again, unfortunately, going to look like it's a, a red shirt season for Trey Sanders here entering 2019. News out of the Razorback camp and tight end Cheyenne C.J. O'Grady had a little minor injury this week at practice. But it required surgery, and he's going to be missing out his time with the practice uh, practicing for the Razorbacks for the foreseeable future. He's six foot four, two hundred fifty six pounds, and potentially a go to weapon for Arkansas football this year, especially in the passing game. The Mash report continues, and another tight end in the news this time from Texas A and M tight end Baylor Cup broke his left ankle in the Aggie scrimmage earlier this week and had surgery on Tuesday, according to head coach Jimbo Fisher. Coach Fitcher said that he'll be out for a while, that he had a plate put on his ankle and tibia on the lower leg, and he just got rolled up on. Cup is a highly regarded freshman, an early enrollee who had a shot to replace All-American tight end Jace Sternberger. Cup led the Aggies with 88 yards and five receptions in A&M spring game back in April. Even had a 31-yard touchdown catch. So perhaps he'll be healed up and ready to go pretty darn soon. But right now, he's out with a left ankle injury Baylor Cup of the Texas A&M Aggie speaking of Coach Fisher. We're going to hear from him in just a moment. Now, can I tell you a story that's health-related that doesn't have anything to do with a player? Well, yes, I can. And it also has nothing to do with a current SEC coach, but a former SEC head football coach. The Liberty Flames head football coach is Hugh Freeze. You might remember him when he coached a team called the Ole Miss Land Sharks. Well, now Freeze is stepping away, for the at least for right now, from his role there in Virginia with Liberty because he's having back spasms and he's been able to attend training camp practices since Sunday and he's expected to return to practice as soon as the back spasms subside as Liberty had to go through practices throughout this week without him and the Flames open the season on August 31st they've got the Syracuse Orange coming to Liberty Stadium there in southwest Virginia and of course Hugh Freeze coached at the University of Mississippi from August of 2012 until July 2017. And then, of course, he went down in a uh, quite a soap opera there, resigning after school officials discovered that he had made a series of calls to a number associated with a female escort service. At his time in Oxford and Arkansas State, frees a 49-28 and 28 record with the Sharks and the Arkansas State Indian Red Wolves. But Liberty's Hugh Freeze having back spasms right now. 
wondered if it had something to do with him nah, calling those escort services. <laughs> All right, how about Alabama coach Nick Saban as he is out here preaching again, not like Hugh Freeze did, but preaching from a collegiate football standpoint about teams need to play, according to Nick Saban, at least 10 Power 5 football programs each season. Most probably do, Nick. Most probably do. But there may be a few that aren't quite doing that. And he's called for all Power 5 teams to play these 10 games and a desire that he has shared on multiple occasions throughout his college coaching career. And he would prefer Alabama beef up its own schedule more than it already is. And he said, let's play all Power 5 games, according to what he's said in the past. I was in the NFL where we played all the games against NFL teams. But let's play at least 10 Power 5 games. Now, Alabama, again, they've got Power 5 opponents this year. They, they got Duke in the season opener. And they also have on a schedule coming up soon, Notre Dame. But they also have some cupcakes. And some of their cupcake teams of the past haven't necessarily been the easiest cupcake teams. I'm talking the FCS team they played last year gave them a little bit of a run. A, a, a score that was tied at halftime, 10 to 10. And they that's not even the power or a group of five. That's FCS. I think this year Alabama's got Western Carolina coming in for a game, I think. And then they play somebody else sunbelt wise or something like that but i i don't have a problem having teams play 10 power five schools i don't want to see your power five schools get to be so exclusive that they only play power five schools and so your group of five schools never get a chance to play power five your fcs doesn't have a chance to play your power five i have no problem with an alabama playing a team like the citadel every year and then a group of five team, and then 10 Power Five. That means they got their eight SEC games, two Power Five games, and then a group of five and an FCS. That's a that's a pretty good schedule. And some of those FCS games might even be more competitive than the group of five games. Heck, some of them might even be more competitive than the Power Five games. Remember, Alabama plays Duke. We don't know how good Duke's going to be this year. It wouldn't surprise me if Western Carolina might even be better than Duke this year. We don't know. We don't know. But I don't like the whole snob reaction that the Big Ten has where they don't play any FCS schools. I think that's wrong. That's just wrong. All right, let's go to Vanderbilt. Update there. The Vanderbilt Commodores, to help get butts in the seats, they're going to start selling alcohol. When the Georgia Bulldogs roll into town at Vanderbilt Stadium on August 31st, you can go get you a cold one there at Vanderbilt Stadium. And according to the Vice Chancellor for Athletics at Vanderbilt, Malcolm Turner, not only will this game day initiative enhance our fan experience, it will provide additional resources to invest in our mission of helping our student-athletes succeed on and off the field, such as through facility enhancements and in other areas. So you can go get a cold one at Vanderbilt Stadium. And, hey, that, that might bring in an extra two or three fans to Vanderbilt to see the Commodores suit up against the sec now here is an update i didn't realize this vanderbilt is now the fifth sec school to expand sales of alcohol in the stadium we told you already about lsu they've got beer sales and wine sales now vanderbilt's got it but also you got texas a&m they're going to be pouring cold ones there at kyle field arkansas 
at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. You can get a cold one there this fall. And Missouri at Faroe Field, you can go get a cold one. So how about that? Five SEC schools ready to go with beer and alcohol sales coming up this football season. Should make for a little bit more lively environment. Good Lord, especially at Vanderbilt Stadium. All right, finally here in our update, if you want to go to a stadium in Tennessee that's got a little bit more fans than Vanderbilt Stadium, you might want to go to Neyland Stadium. And I found an article on KnoxNews.com about how to get Tennessee football tickets. You know, they got a stadium over 100,000 strong, and I assume that you don't have to just have a season ticket to get in there. So first things first, hey, you're going to have to have a ticket to go to Neyland Stadium to see the Vols play. You can purchase season tickets or single-game tickets online at allvols.com or call 865-656-1200. But the real reason I'm reading this article is to tell you a little bit about some of the prices. Season tickets for non-donors cost $360. Single-game tickets for home games vary in price depending on which game you want to attend. Most of them range from $30 to $75, while the Tennessee-Georgia game is priced between $110 to $125, according to allvols.com. As of August 8th, as of last week, season tickets remain, and single tickets for each game are still available, according to allvols.com. And they also have something called Vol Pass for Football. That allows you to attend all of the home games, where you pay $280, and you can attend every home game, Each week, starting on a Monday, you'll be able to select your tickets for that week's game. And I don't know how common that is, but the Vol Pass for football, if you're a Tennessee fan and you've been wanting to get to Knoxville and see them play for $280, that's actually a pretty good deal, in my opinion, for you to see the Big Orange play and get this Vol Pass for football. And again, that's just one of the 14 member institutions that I have some information on. But I would think that the prices, especially if you compare it to NFL that's, in today's world, not all that expensive. I mean, have you priced a concert ticket these days? Woo! Lots and lots of money. All righty, let's move on now and hear from some of our SEC head football coaches. Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher took a little time out from practice to talk to the media this week. And let's go hear from the guy entering his second season coaching the Maroon and White. Jimbo Fisher now on the Y'all Show. You can't do enough of it. I mean, you just you just can't. And situations and time on the clock and down in distance and how things change. And, you know, just from getting up, we had a situation today, trying to get to, to the last plays of a game, and a guy caught a ball, and he got up, and he didn't know what to do, and he was, he was trying to get to where he went, so he threw the ball. I mean, not threw it, but just kind of flopped it down and it rolled the other way. We didn't get a playoff because the officials couldn't get the ball. Did it again, he catches it, hands it to the official. We got four extra seconds on the clock that we can snap the ball and – Run the last play. I mean, things like that you don't realize. I, I'm just trying to get to where I'm going. They'll get the ball. Well, no, you got to catch it and make sure that that takes time for them to go get. Look, just so many minute little things that make a difference in winning a game and saving the one second like we had it, you know, at LSU. You you can't work them enough and then pray that when you do it, they execute it. You know what I'm saying? And but you got to put them in those situations over and over. And how many times you do it, something will happen that's different every time. And it's just a teaching curve, and you got to put them in those situations. Situational football is critical. What did you see out of the backup quarterbacks? And is there anybody that's kind of – You know something, I thought uh, Blumrick played very solid. I thought James and Zach uh, threw the ball accurately, got the ball down the field. And when I was pleased with those two young guys, I thought their game management, getting plays, getting things off. A couple times we'd had a delay game. I didn't call them on those two the first time. They might have had maybe one or two apiece. That's it. I have a ton of plays. So they were managing the clock, getting calls, getting the, getting things run. And for the most part, occasionally I miss Reed, but – 
the most part, calls, checks, run checks, those things. I was really pleased with their progress, and I thought Blumberg did a solid job. So it's going to be interesting how this thing comes out. They're still pretty even in there. Yeah, they all are, and they're all getting very, you know, similar reps, and we're putting them, and also how how they handle situations. But they're all getting, we're getting them as much as we can. We that's why I'm splitting this team. You know, two guys on each field. So everybody's getting plenty of reps. It's, it's fun to watch them grow. You're, you're an NBA guy. How clutch was Ori's dad through the years? <laughs> we can be that big shot Robert, huh? I mean, uh, he could hit him now. He could hit him. He, he was. And you don't get all those rings for nothing when it matters. So you're right, big time. How pleased have you been with the development and growing some depth there on the defensive front? Oh, you got to, man. You can't have enough guys that put their hand in the dirt because the physical pounding they take and the bangs and bruises and keeping guys fresh and you got a long season. This game and this league is so physical. You can't have enough guys up front. Very pleased with our young D linemen, I mean, in, in that group. I mean, Jones and Hunter and Leal and all those guys, I was really, really pleased with their progress and how they're, how they're developing up front. Coach Jimbo Fisher of the Texas A&M Aggies as his team gets ready for a big 2019 season with big opponents. They got to play Alabama. They got to play Clemson. And they got all the other gauntlet of the 2019 schedule staring them right in the face. And again, Coach Fisher getting his team ready in his second season in Aggieland. The other SEC West team that's a maroon and white program is the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And Joe Moorhead's getting ready to enter, also like Fisher, his second season coaching in the SEC. Let's go here from bully land let's go hear the head coach of the bulldogs talk about his team as it undergoes the fall workouts you know first few days of exposure to sec west football is a little bit eye-opening and not just the speed and physicality of the game but the i say relative complexity to the to the installations and how they stack on top of each other and taking the information from the meeting room and applying that on the field but i think from a pure physical standpoint that uh what we believed in the process, you know, uh, I think we got bigger, I think we got uh, stronger, I think we got more athletic and explosive, and now it's a matter of them getting adjusted to the speed of the game. How would you describe a Michael Johnson wide receiver, and what kind of identity do you expect out of that group? Describe Michael as a coach? Well, his identity as a, as a coach and what you see out yeah, of Yeah, the, the first thing, uh, two, the two words I, I would think with Michael are, are, are knowledge and positivity. I don't think I've ever seen the guy have a have a bad day, uh, and when you've got experience, uh, you know, as a player and as a coach at the collegiate level and in the NFL, you know, a guy coached Michael Vick, a guy coached, you know, all those great receivers with the with the, the Ravens and other places. I think it brings instant credibility to the room, and uh, you know, I think, you know, the adage that they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I think Michael's done a real good job forming personal relationship with relationships with the guys, and you know, when that occurs, they're uh, you know, willing to you know, go to bat for you, and I, I think uh, you've seen a, a more mature, mature group. Coach, you've talked about obviously having to hire a new number of new staff guys yeah. this year too. But uh, between Tony and Marcus and Joey, you've got a number of guys with former head coaching experience on your staff as yeah. well. How much has that maybe helped you as a, as a second year head coach at the SEC level, and maybe you know? Working through the the early going of your yeah career. yeah and uh, Coach Bronner and Coach Shoop you know had been head coaches prior as well so I think uh, you know anytime you have an opportunity to bounce ideas off people who sat in that chair because there's really not a manual for it you know you can prepare for being an assistant coach you can prepare for being a coordinator and do your best to to uh, make all the necessary uh, you know kind of put the plan in place so to speak but but there's things that pop up and you know you may have an idea of how you want to do it and you know ask one of those guys who have done it so they, they, they've all been great resources 
MSU head football coach Joe Moorhead in Starkville as Mississippi State gets ready to start the 2019 season here in just a couple of days. We've got more SEC football coaches to hear from. After the break, stick around. Our SEC report continues. We'll hear from the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart, and also Tennessee head football coach Jeremy Pruitt. All that ahead as we wind down today's Y'all Talk With Us Southern Accent. Bluestar Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Bluestar soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Bluestar worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 8282. That's promo code 8282 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. This is Shaq for Icy Hot, and I got a few words about pain. See, pain thinks it can overpower you, overwhelm you, but it obviously doesn't know you. You're not backing down from pain, because Icy Hot's got your back. Icy to dull pain, and hot to relax it away. So you can get back to running, throwing, kicking, swimming, cycling, crossfit, you name it. Because pain does not get the final word. You do. Icy Hot. Rise from pain. Use as directed. Just a few years ago, Mozambique's Nyasa National Reserve in southern Africa was a danger zone for elephants. Organized gangs of poachers took them down by the thousands for their ivory tusks. Conservationists and governments got together to eliminate poaching. Today, Nyasa hasn't lost a single elephant in more than a year. With your support, we can keep places like Nyasa safe. Find out more at 96elephants.org. Glory to you. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. Our SEC report is continuing on now as we've got more coaches to hear from. And the SEC report now switches to the East Division. And Georgia head football coach Kirby Smart, he was at the mic this week as his Bulldogs continue getting ready for their season opener at Vanderbilt Stadium that Labor Day weekend. The Red and Black will fill Music City with a lot of excitement and enthusiasm, and Georgia tries to get back to Atlanta for the third consecutive year and play for an SEC championship. Here's Coach Kirby Smart talking about his program on the Y'all Show. We called a little uh, uh, weather delay and had to go in for about 30 minutes because of lightning, so it set us back some time-wise, but uh, you know, it probably wasn't the kind of scrimmage I was expecting to have. I mean, it wasn't the uh, temperament and the um, 
I don't know if it was the enthusiasm, but we've gone, I think, six, seven practices now and gotten after it pretty good. And we got after it pretty good on Friday, but I didn't think we had the same juice today as a team. And um, both ones units were a little lethargic, not real good timing, some busts on defense, some some things to clean up. Good news is we got time to clean it up. But I thought both two units, the two defense and two offense, I mean, they didn't dominate the scrimmage by any means, but they did some really good things. This is the first day you really get to see twos go against ones and ones go against twos. You get to go crossways, and then you also get to go good on good. So I thought the second offense and the second defense had some positive things done. Uh, but we got to clean up those first units and we got to make sure that everybody's kind of responding the right way and and creating an identity i didn't think that we created an identity today um some guys did some individual things well there's a rack of ones versus twos and twos versus ones you know both ways so the offense gets to go against the two the two defense and then it flips after the threes go and ones ones twos two so they get a little bit of both you get 30 plays of both ways but uh i mean the twos came out with a chip on their shoulder i felt like and i mean Two offense had about a 13-play drive. We only do 12 plays in a, in a set, and they took the whole set and drove down the field and ended up scoring a touchdown. So, I mean, they did some good things against the one defense. And then the same thing with the two defense against the one offense. And that was the big dog, Kirby Smart of the Georgia Bulldogs, as his team is undergoing workouts, getting ready for their season opener against Vanderbilt on Labor Day weekend. Well, when Labor Day weekend comes on August 31st, the Tennessee Vols will be playing at home against the Georgia State Panthers at Neyland Stadium. Jeremy Pruitt is getting ready for his second season on Rocky Top, and the coach took some time this week to talk to reporters. Let's go find out what's going on in Big Orange Country with the head coach of UT. You know, we played 99 plays the other day in the scrimmage. Uh, if you look at both sides of the ball, even in the kicking game, you know, it's, it's kind of like we talked about when we, uh, what kind of players we got on our team. We got guys that they really know what to do. They know how to play, uh, and they know how to execute. Uh, it's the same way in the kicking game, same way on offense, defense. And, you know, and then we got, we got guys that – and we have very few of those guys, right? I think everybody probably would know who they are. You know, the guys that's had success here in the past. Uh, so we've got a few guys like that. We've got a lot of guys that have plenty of ability. Um, they, they flash at times, uh, but they're inconsistent. Uh, and we've got to get those guys to play at a higher level uh, in all three phases. And then we've got a few guys, like I said, that, that have ability and, um, you know, for whatever reason uh, – uh, they don't know what to do or, or they don't know how to do it. They're just not there yet, right? And that's all over the country right now. That's not just at Tennessee. That's everywhere. That's the way fall camp goes. Um, you know, and that's why you see teams that have experience tend to have success. Um, you know, so um, that's kind of where we're at. We've got to work hard this week. We've set some, some goals offensively, defensively, and in special teams to improve on this week. Um, and we're, 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 we're working hard to do that. Tennessee Vols head football coach Jeremy Pruitt, as Tennessee's continuing, even though injuries aplenty have happened within Jeremy Pruitt's program, the clock's ticking, and they're getting ready for a big 2019 season and a, maybe a chance to get back to a bowl for the Big Orange. Well, that will wrap up our SEC report. That will wrap up our Thursday Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. Thank you for listening. Stick around on Friday. We're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have our tribute to Elvis as tomorrow marks the 42nd anniversary of his 1977 death. All that coming on Friday. Talk with a Southern Accent, the show that's all about the South. I'm John Rawls, signing off.
Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirabet on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 8282. That's promo code 8282 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. This is Shaq for Icy Hot, and I got a few words about pain. See, pain thinks it can overpower you, overwhelm you, but it obviously doesn't know you. You're not backing down from pain, because Icy Hot's got your back. Icy to dull pain, and hot to relax it away. So you can get back to running, throwing, kicking, swimming, cycling, crossfit, you name it. Because pain does not get the final word. You do. Icy Hot. Rise from pain. Use as directed. Just a few years ago, Mozambique's Nyasa National Reserve in southern Africa was a danger zone for elephants. Organized gangs of poachers took them down by the thousands for their ivory tusks. Conservationists and governments got together to eliminate poaching. Today, Nyasa hasn't lost a single elephant in more than a year. With your support, we can keep places like Nyasa safe. Find out more at 96elephants.org. 